Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, this is the rare two-podcast week. Uh, so much action taking place. We didn't cover everything we were looking for yesterday, so we're doubling down this week, and we're going to jump back into it. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right, perfect. So, Chris, uh, let's get right into something that we've talked about for a while now, um, the economic slowdown and inflationary pe- pressures uh, peaking for the last few months. Uh, is that still your economic outlook, and, and does the Russian-Ukrainian situation and alter that view in any manner? Yeah, it's still our base uh, base outlook. I mean, it, the the economic slowdown is is clearly already baked in the cake and is happening and is unfolding. And as we've said, a lot of it's just policy driven. The extra fiscal stimulus that's coming out of uh, the economy this year and and the bulk of it hitting in the in the second quarter. Uh, so that the situation with Russia and Ukraine, uh, if anything, exacerbates that slowdown. Um, and similarly, on from the inflationary side, you know, we already were seeing rents and home prices starting to peak and roll over. Um, we were seeing peaking in softer commodities earlier uh, in the quarter, uh, but clearly with the spike in energy, and we've seen, I think, nearly a 50% move in wheat prices just in the last month alone. Um, that may take some of the uh, softening and in inflation expectations off the table nearer term, but it actually adds to the growth issue. So um, oil is your number one inflation factor. And with the spike we've seen in just the last few weeks, uh, that means lower real growth. Um, and that, that will be uh, an issue for policymakers and um, will definitely create some additional headwinds. And, you know, I just want to caution investors as they look at oil prices. And, you know, we're approaching $120 today. And that seems like a high dollar value for oil Um, on an inflation adjusted basis. You know, we're not anywhere near the previous highs. Um, And if you want to go all the way back and use inflation adjusted dollars back to the early 80s, you know, we could move another 50 to 60 percent before we'd even reach prices that would be equivalent to what we saw in 2008. So. Um, they're definitely going to start biting into consumers' budgets. It's going to be a headwind. It's going to uh, help put policymakers in a, in a box as far as monetary policy flexibility. Um, but don't be surprised if we see you know, prices fall because some of the geopolitical premium comes out, or quite frankly, if, if prices move materially higher. Yeah. Um, and, and as you, you touch on oil there, you know, one of the questions I've, been, I've come across uh, the last few days is you know, we've seen major global companies ending – um, their Russian partnerships and investments, and you know, immediately coming to mind are, are companies like BP and Shell. Um, so, a couple part question here. One is, you know, are there reverberations across the investing landscape for this? And you know, while these are energy specific companies, we've also seen others like semiconductor companies and consumer companies, and similarly, yeah. the, uh, Apple stated the same yesterday. Yeah. So, you know, what what are the impacts on these businesses losing the, losing the Russian market? Yeah. No, I. Look, I think again, this is just the beginning. We talked in yesterday's podcast about more directly around the Ukraine situation. And I think it's it's much more than just Russia and Ukraine. And this is very much about Russia and China and other nation states challenging uh, kind of Pax Americana and trying to disrupt Europe and challenge the West when it's incredibly weak, which we are geopolitically right now for a whole host of policy missteps. Um, those reverberations, again, are, are just the beginning. I mean, what's going to happen when uh, you know, China throws more support behind Russia and, and Russia becomes more aggressive and uh, more problematic for NATO countries. Is Apple going to stop doing business in China? And then what are the implications for Apple should that occur? Or are we just going to be hypocrites and just do it where 
you know, it's not as financially significant. So um, again, I think investors don't get caught flat-footed by a lack of imagination, both to the positive or the negative. And I don't think what we're seeing with Shell pulling out and, and BP, uh, you know, disclosing the selling of assets and the removal of JVs, um, it's, it's just the opening salvo. We're going to see more and more of this as, as time passes, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, our friend Jaron uh, Powell. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, after his uh, his address to the Congress, um, the market uh, it, the market has removed pricing in of a, a 50 basis point rate hike, and, and now we've seen the yield curve flatten dramatically over the last several weeks. Yeah. So, you know, what are your expectations for Fed rate hikes at this point, and do you think the Fed is committing a policy error in hiking rates? Yeah, I, I think um, – to the question of is the Fed first committing a policy error, uh, they're cleaning up a policy error they made previously, right? They were too easy before, um, you know, the idea that uh, supply chains were going to be fixed quickly or that, you know, uh, oil prices and other commodities uh, were going to correct and inflation was going to be transitory. Um, that was the policy error. So now we're reversing that policy error. Why? And it's not necessarily good for markets, but the markets have given the Fed space to raise interest rates right now up to 100 to 150 basis points. Um, I'll take the under on that. I think the Fed is, is wisely going to start moving. They definitely need to do that. Um, they've talked about delaying, shrinking the balance sheet just yet. Um, but they're going to tighten financial conditions. That's going to further press pressure asset prices on the margin. And to a large extent, that'll have a, a secondary impact on consumption. Um, but again, they're, they're correcting a previous policy error. I will be surprised if they can get four, four rate hikes uh, accomplished. Um, it really is going to depend on uh, what the growth trajectory for the U.S. economy and Europe and the rest of the world writ large is as we enter the second half of this year are we still slowing down are we starting to open up a window of opportunity for a recession and is that going to cool things or are we starting to reaccelerate or are we having other geopolitical uh, incidences that are adding to inflationary pressures uh, but the fed's in a tough spot it's you know, a bed they made they get to lay in it i don't feel sorry for them but they're in a very very difficult position for sure for sure right um, and let's talk about a little bit about the, what's going on in the market and some of the performance. Um, so, you know, we've seen a, a pretty material correction in, in many areas of the equity market, um, namely high multiple stocks and growth sectors have declined significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've spoken in the past about, you know, potential for market weakness in the first half of this year yeah. as economic growth and inflation have slowed. Um, and so now we're entering the last month of the first quarter. Uh, here we are in the beginning part of March. Um, with equity markets, they're discounting near-term results. You know, is this is this slowdown that you expected for Q1 and Q2? Is that you think that's now priced into the market? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to have the full slowdown priced in. And you know, I we've been in a bear market for meme stocks and growth stocks for almost a year now. And where that was a true bubble, and that we certainly had elements of a very large bubble in, in pockets of the stock market, that bubble has burst and that correction. Uh, it continues, but you know some of these stocks are down, like you said, 50, 60, and in some cases 80 percent, and so they're nearer towards the end. It doesn't mean it's over. Um, and then I think the market's done a reasonably good job of, of, of pricing in the spike in energy prices uh, that we've seen and the impact that's going to have on consumption and margins, and it's pretty good at doing that. 
Has it really priced in the slowdown? I don't think so. Like, um, you know, we just haven't had enough data for the market to price it in. And what I mean by that is, look, fourth quarter earnings as they've been released, they've been fine. And guidance has been okay. Hadn't been as strong as the guidance we've seen for the prior three quarters. Uh, but the first quarter earnings are gonna be slower and, and uh, less uh, impressive than the fourth quarter. And guidance for the second quarter is gonna be less impressive than the guidance has been for the first quarter's results. And then we're gonna get into Q2 and the economy's gonna slow further um, and the guidance and the results out of Q2 are going to be worse than Q1. And so the question for me and what I want to see is I'd like to get through the first quarter, start to see some preliminary data, start to see uh, some preliminary guidance, and then see if we start to see a healing process in the internals of the market. And what I mean by that is we're still seeing volatility rise, and the rate of volatility increasing, so that's trending higher. You can look at one year forwards for the U.S. Treasury market, and they're clearly pricing in the chance for a recession 12 months out. We're starting to see month-on-month high-yield spreads start to widen. So those are all indications that we're kind of still in the teeth of this correction. Uh, and I just think there's more data to come out that's not necessarily positive while the Fed's tightening liquidity conditions as we go into the second quarter. And so I think that just needs to play out. Uh, I'm also really surprised at the dollar. If I watch the dollar and not, you know, you know, the typical one that's predominantly dollar versus EU and yen, but the broad true trade weighted basket of the dollar it's barely moved year to date. It's up maybe you know 2% on a two-year basis. It's still negative. And you know, let's face it, we're talking about you know, tightening up uh, financial conditions fairly significantly in the last six months, a ground war developing that's clearly more than a regional skirmish in Europe, and the dollar hadn't moved. Um, so I think there's more information out there that, that's going to come to fruition that the market's going to have to discount. Um, and we just need more time for that to happen. So are we fairly far advanced? In some cases we are, uh, but broadly for the market, I, I'm not convinced of that. I think we need some more time and then we, we'll see if this is the end of the correction or, or the development of a broader bear market. Yeah. Well, you, know, you mentioned you know, some, of these, some of these areas that are you know, maybe worked through it most. I'm sure you've seen that list floating around Twitter that has a you know, kind of list of companies that are down like 70 plus percent <laughs> and it's huge and growing. And, you know, those are, a lot of those are the meme and, and growth companies. And yep. yeah, a lot of those have just round trip themselves right back to, to pre-COVID levels. So, yep. Um, but one other question, uh, you know, so what you, you know, so coming off of what you're saying, you know, what, what are you watching to determine if the correction's over? Um, yep. Or what do you think that this, or whether this is a, a larger bear market that's beginning to develop? Yeah, I, I, look, I really want to see stability in, in credit spreads. I want to see liquidity improve so that volatility begins to decline. Um, and we haven't seen that yet. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little concerned that with the sanctions, we've just seen the initial move of liquidity withdrawing from pockets of the market. And these are daisy chains, so you know, we need to see where that liquidity is going to be made up. Um, and you know, we're not there yet. I'd love to see a, a re-steepening of the yield curve. And I'd like to see earnings estimates come in. Like we need to bring down earning, earnings guidance for 2022. So a combination of those factors. Um, uh, a little steepness in the futures on, uh, on the Treasury curve. A decline in stability and volatility. Um, 
and then you know a little bit lower earnings expectations and then you know we'll be in good shape at that point we can have an economic reacceleration and, and equity prices can follow good all right good well that's uh that's it for today so um good follow-up from yesterday's podcast so thanks for jumping on again um and i'm sure the way things are moving along we'll, we'll have you on here in uh yeah. probably early next week so sounds good all Dan. right chris thank you you bet thanks The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson and, or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.